Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 41 of the Following Faith podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dan Jacobson, joined by three stellar co-hosts today. I've got Kristen Jacobson. Hey, Kristen. Hey. Daniel Asher. What's up, Daniel? And Scott Irwin. Hey, Scott. Hey, what's going on? You guys, this is a crazy season in the world. I looked at a map of the United States the other day. The whole thing was red. The whole thing. I'm not talking politically. I'm talking hotspots for coronavirus. <laughs> this oh. is not about politics. This is not about politics. And um, as it gets colder and we get closer to Thanksgiving, it's got me worried, you guys. It's got me a little bit worried because... Um, Why is that, Dan? Why would you be worried? I don't know if you know this, but the <laughs> holidays are coming. And I got to put this out thing. there. My favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. Ultimately, my favorite holiday, if you're like, what's the best holiday? Straight up, it's Thanksgiving. You guys agree? Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> it is a hot take. I don't think I it's a hot take. It's, it is the best holiday. There is zero pressure. You eat food. You watch football. Period. End of story. What's no not gifts. to love about that? Yep. No surprises. It's, you know, it, the, the worst surprise is like someone decided not to do a turkey and they did like a turducken. And you've got like <laughs> some crazy food that's not the traditional meal, right? right. The, the cranberries don't have the ridges in them. Like they're the real ones. And you're like, why did we so mess this up? Let's go I to think the this tried is, and true. I think this is something that generally as you become an adult, your favorite holiday shifts from Christmas to Thanksgiving. This is like the general oh, trend yeah. that I've seen over the mm. years because for yep. whatever reason, Christmas used to be amazing when you're a kid. But then it's just so stressful as an adult. So <laughs> when does that change? Is it a certain age? The Is more it... kids you have, the more people <laughs> ding, you have to ding, buy ding, presents ding. for. <laughs> <laughs> Thanksgiving was always my least favorite because I, I wrestled throughout high school. Oh, and no. yeah. I, I just, just a quick question. A... Can we get pictures of you in the wrestling onesie <laughs> posted to it's a, it's the it's Facebook page, please? Thank you. It's a singlet. Yes. I was a Trojan. A singlet. <laughs> But I just that remember, uh, like southern Southern Thanksgiving is very different than Northern Thanksgiving, uh, and Christina can attest to that because she went uh, and visited my family last year and almost threw up after every meal because it was like just rich. <laughs> but I What's remember the- sitting with like I remember sitting with a bowl of broccoli and watching my whole family. <laughs> eat thanksgiving dinner um because you're trying to make weight just making weight no, oh no the whole process. Oh, okay i didn't know it <laughs> yeah. was a standard like tennessee no. <laughs> yeah it maybe just got bacon on it it'd be perfect yeah for sure no. oh, that's oh thanksgiving's man, probably that's my brutal. favorite my favorite now that's brutal so um this is this is no listener really cares about this but um i i just got through covid it was a very mild case if that my biggest fear, you guys, was that I was going to lose my sense of taste. <laughs> and I kept thinking, no, God, Thanksgiving's coming. Anything but that. Anything but my taste. Like, I'll take the fever. I'll take the headaches. Just give, keep my taste. And so far, so good. But I was really nervous. And, and honestly, as I think about the state of the pandemic and Thanksgiving coming up, a lot of people are worried about super spreading events at Thanksgiving. I'm worried for all the people who have lost their sense of taste and won't be able to enjoy turkey oh and gravy and mashed potatoes and things like that feels like what a, feels like it's okay to be worried about both those things probably right yeah. <laughs> i mean if you have to i guess i guess no guys i, I do be worried about one you thing about this because um the holidays are coming and it is truly uh interesting time for families um 
Thanksgiving, it's got all these cautions around it this year. I, I know in the Jacobson family, we had plans to uh, gather with my grandmother. She's 94 years old. She was coming to, to dinner. She was really nervous when we had um, our experience recently, was hoping that we'd have negative tests, and we finally do, and she's feeling at ease. But then um, it popped up again in my family in another place, and so we just straight up, Jacobson's canceled Thanksgiving. And uh, Kristen and I and the kids, we got to go to uh, a different home that's a different situation. I'm, Mom and Dad, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry about what I'm about to say next, but I'm really excited about the second option that we have. <laughs> so it's going to be fine. <laughs> but it just brought to mind the fact that Christmas th- or Christmas and Thanksgiving this year is going to look really different or could look really different for many different families who are in different situations. And I think it'd be helpful for us just to talk about uh, what does it look like to do holidays in a pandemic and how do we show grace to each other, um, especially in our own family, if there's competing thoughts and ideas about what's going on right now with uh, with COVID? How, how can we help our people think through uh, how, how to approach this season? What do you guys think? Kristen's pointing at Scott. At me? Yeah, that was a total <laughs> point at you, Scott. A point is good. I think I, you know, coming into this season, I already have heard of people who are struggling with it because Thanksgiving is such such a big time for their family, um, or they're heading into the season. It's the first time without a loved one, and like it that, and then on COVID on top of it, just compounds the difficulty heading in. I, I guess the first thing that comes to mind would be to try your hardest to not be alone on the holidays. And that might not be the greatest advice because for some people it, it like you have to be alone or you, that might be the best, best way forward for you. But I think there's a lot of different ways to, to find community still uh, over Thanksgiving in the midst of, of a pandemic. I don't know. What do you think? I, Should we be alone? I think it's it's an interesting time because you've you've got I mean this it could be like the banner you put over to your 2020 is that everyone has different opinions. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like you have people who are all of a sudden because of the rise in cases being very very cautious and then you have people who are not feeling that way and want to get together and you have these like I've, I've spoken with a few of my friends who have elderly parents who are saying they don't want to gather and kids who are kind of sad about that, who this is the only opportunity for them to see their extended family. And now that's been canceled and that's a really hard thing to handle. So I, I understand, I guess I, I feel the, the pain of, of not being able to be together. And if there was one thing, I don't know, I I'm hopeful for is that we can even rely on some of those messages we've heard recently about, you know, the weaker brother, stronger brother in the sense Mm -hmm. of not, not letting someone's decision not to get together, be something you harbor anger about or feel, Mm -hmm. you know, resentment toward, but do our best to understand one another in this situation, even though it's terribly sad not to be together, um, trying to understand where people are coming from if they're making those decisions for their own safety. Like, in my opinion, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know, I feel like our church has already, or our community has already kind of bypassed Thanksgiving and just gone straight to Christmas. <laughs> so, if, like, in my neighborhood, it's like every, like, Christina is a Christmas fanatic. And she gets really excited when she sees that it's like, we're midway through November, 
and in our street, like every single house has a Christmas tree in it. So I don't know. I think we can. Yeah, I think we could just bypass Thanksgiving. Just this skip year. right just over skip it. it. But we're not. But we're not. We're not. I mean, as long as we don't lose Christmas, we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, it's I, to go meals. I, as Kristen, you were talking. I, I felt just this deep sadness and agony over Thanksgiving. And Daniel, we've already decorated our house for Christmas here at the Jacobson home. So maybe, maybe we're guilty of both these. But is it possible? Is it possible that this is the first year where people will be like? pining for the days when they could argue politics and religion over the Thanksgiving table because they can't do it this year. Like, I, I just think this might be the year where people are like, <laughs> oh, I would give anything just to argue with my crazy uncle-in-law over this policy or that. You guys are all looking at me like, nope, nope. It's probably a good I, thing if, to skip if anything, it. <laughs> yeah, if anything, it feels like, thank you, COVID. Thank you for <laughs> yes. giving us an excuse to not have to do that. In our family, we don't have like political debates. We have awkward reasons for Christina's dad to cry oh, at like no. the weirdest possible moment. So like, I'm telling you, it's where like Thanksgiving is like the only time that he cries um, and at our wedding. But last Thanksgiving, like it scarred me. It was really, really weird. So dude doesn't ever show emotion, doesn't cry. And he was giving this explanation um, with uh, candy corn to the kids about like the food that the pilgrims and the Indians had at Thanksgiving. And dude just started bawling his eyes out. Huh. And we were like, like, it was thoughtful, but then we're like, okay, this is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> so since that point. The the question there is like, does that story translate to a new to a new generation of like woke Gen Zers? And uh, <laughs> like, at what point are they gonna find that story offensive and have to be edited or or what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's a it's a weird time and I think no matter what happens with our with the families, I think Scott you're right to figure out how to connect with people. You know, I hope it's not Zoom, but um to be able to to be in people's presence, right? And to be able to say I'm grateful for the fact that we even, you know, for some people like they're grateful they made it this year, you know, yeah, for yeah. whatever that looks like financially, relationally, physically, um, even spiritually to say, God, we've been through so much, but we still trust and hope in you. Um, there's a lot to be thankful for. And um, and yet I think, Scott, you're right. The richness is not just in the food or the football, but in the company. And uh, we don't want to put anybody at risk, but we also want to make sure that we celebrate uh, well together. So however that looks like, listeners, for you, I hope that there's a little bit of grace in, in the considerations and um, and, and the, the ways that you go about uh, showing deference and preference to others uh, this Thanksgiving, you guys, Christmas is coming up and it's always a, a, a moment where I want to prepare my heart for something. Um, and, uh, when we think about preparing for the holidays, there's more than just like the guest list and who's going to be there and preparing ourselves, like even emotionally, if it's not a big deal mm -hmm. this year, but I always want to ask myself like, Lord, I want to prepare my heart for the season. Um, and so I'm curious, do you guys do any like readings or, exercises or like I've seen people on Facebook who are doing challenges like gratitude challenges. Have you guys ever done any of those things to help you get in the mindset or is it like go to Starbucks and get a pumpkin spice latte and all of a sudden you're thankful? Like how do you guys do it? <laughs> I I have never heard. I haven't seen these gratitude challenges on what are they? Because I'm very interested. Okay. So you, is it like naming something or like the whole month of November, right? Like the mm -hmm. every day 
write something they're thankful for throughout the month of November. And I think that's a like a Thanksgiving thing. But then yeah. leading into the season of Christmas. That I I love that. <laughs> so I love that. It's uh, what a what a cool just like practical way um to engage the season. And I think like you said Daniel a lot of times we we end up skipping over Thanksgiving uh <laughs> with Christmas hot on its heels but like Thanksgiving is not as spiritually weighted of a holiday as Christmas, but it's still a good calendar season time to to remember gratitude. Mm-hmm. And then obviously leading into Christmas, there's Dan, I think a lot of things that that you can do. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people who read parts of the gospels through through Christmas or mm-hmm. um, you know, they run their own advent calendars through Christmas. Uh, Elf on a Shelf, you know, that's spiritual, right? Elf on the Shelf. Elf on the yeah. Shelf. Yeah. What a great <laughs> yeah. way to, 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 yeah, we're, we're not covering any of that on this podcast. You do mm-hmm. that what you want, listeners. Um, yeah. One of my, one of my rhythms, uh, I read through the, the Episcopal Book of Common Prayer. Yeah. Um, typically through uh, the Advent season, um, which is just, I mean, super helpful um, to have guided, weighty prayers um, through the season. Um, and I think it's also really cool. As we're in ministry, especially in uh, worship ministry, we're kind of like in Christmas mode in like August. <laughs> it's like right. is when we is when we start the process. Um, which I've been I've been working here for three years. That was that was kind of new to like be in Christmas mode for so long doing arrangements. We've actually got um, an original arrangement of Angels We Have Heard on High um, that we're going to be releasing this next month. So um, a lot of really exciting stuff, but. Um, yeah, definitely guided prayers through, uh, either like Valley Vision, um, it's got some awesome ones around the season, um, and the Episcopal Book of Common Prayer, um, I'm a huge fan of. The Book of Common Prayer in our tradition is the, I think the, cause our tradition, the non-denominational church tends to be anti-tradition. Yeah. And, and the Book of Common Prayer is nothing but tradition. And if, if that's something that people will walk away from listening to this podcast today and go pick up their own copy, or it's so old, you can get it on public domain on Google. Yeah. Um, and you read through that this Christmas season, I guarantee your soul will be in, enriched and your affection stirred towards Jesus in such a powerful way. Like what a great, what a great thing. Um, well, I had this, got, I had this professor, I had this ahead, professor Dan. in college. I had this professor in college who, uh, the way, the way I found out about it was he would always pray. It was in my uh, Acts of the Apostles class, uh, like Luke Acts. And at the beginning of every session, he would pray. And I was like, man, this dude is going in for like five <laughs> minutes. Like these are the illest prayers I've ever heard. <laughs> and then I peeked up one like late into the semester and saw that he was reading it from this book. And then I talked to him about it. I was like, oh, man, you may write those prayers. But they're still really good. <laughs> I love that. I think with the, when the Advent season comes around every year, I have these high hopes of what I want it to be. And I have, you know, this desire, especially when I think about my kids, like leading them in a, in a way that's spiritual and and getting their mind um, toward the reason for the Christmas season. And, and that I feel like December one, I have, these awesome expectations. And then by mid December, it's completely fallen off and I've not done as much as I would want to both for my family and also personally. And I think that 
coming into this Christmas season, I have the same hope that I always have and still like want to be cautious to, to like have grace for myself, but also have, you know, this intentionality for my kids and myself to, to really center my heart toward the Lord leading up to it. And I think it's something to keep in mind for if you're, I mean, I'm speaking maybe to moms out there. If you feel, if you feel that too, that sense of pressure and then fear of failure, I think it can be simple, you know, having a heart that is being prepared through the Advent season doesn't have to be every single day, this specific thing. If you miss a day, it's all good. Like, are you as often as you're able drawing your heart to the Lord and in expectation for um, what we remember on Christmas day of, of Christ coming and what that means. I just think, you know, it's, it, it can be a simple thing as much as, you know, reading the Christmas story or, um, going to any other scriptures that we have that allow us to be mindful of that. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's an encouragement to a mom out there that has the same complexes yeah, that no, I that's do. A, that's a great word because we all, it's almost like the Christian new years. Like yeah. we, we have this, this, and in some sense, I think, you know, we should read consistently on a daily basis during Advent because it launches us into the new year already ingrained in the habit of Bible reading. So if we're not in that habit, now is a great time to try and cultivate that habit. Um, and one of the ways that we've been preparing, you know, Daniel said, we've been working on Christmas since August. Uh, that's, that's almost true for me. Um, not, not so far back, but I've been working on this Advent reading guide for our whole church and we're going to launch it. I'm really excited about this. We're going to put it in people's inboxes. Um, the first day of the Advent season, which is uh, November 29th. So listeners, it's coming up pretty soon. And hopefully it's a way for our church just to get everybody reading the same thing, you know, different themes each week, small chunks of scripture to help us focus our hearts on the Lord. I'd much rather, you know, you go pick up the book of common prayer and read through that or, or whatever, uh, whatever Advent guide that you got for your kids that has chocolate associated with it is perfect too. But if you don't have any options like that, maybe our option as a church will be something that helps you. And what I'm really cool, like excited about, and I think it's really cool, Daniel, I think we got to get some firm commitments right here, right now. Our intention is to um, actually record those readings on a daily basis and kind of bring back that new every morning podcast vibe that we had from back in March and April, but it's only going to work if you help. So are you going to, are you in on this thing or or not? You got to make a firm commitment right now. New every five hours of work <laughs> per day. Dan, I did I did have a question uh, just for those listening that have, I don't know, maybe. Hold on. That wasn't uh, a yes or a no. That was, yo, a, that oh, was a dodge. Yes, yes. I'll do Are it. Are you in? Yes, I'll do it. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. Good. You heard it here. But I also had a question um, for those that may need clarity. You know, we're doing the catechism and we've we've talked about other church calendar things. Why as a church do we not practice these liturgical practices? on a regular basis? Like what makes this yeah, year the question. year to do this particular liturgical practice? Yeah. Oh man, what a great question. Uh, so why this year? Let's start with that. Um, because nothing has been traditional about this year. And when we approach a season that is so steeped in tradition, one of the ways that we can help our souls fall deeply in love with the Lord is to go back to those well-worn paths to, to go back and do the things that have been done for centuries to help bring about a sense of normalcy in our own spirit, in our own soul. 
Um, I think in the midst of a pandemic, especially, it's helpful for us to really anchor our hearts, not just in the faith that we have in God, but the ways that our our faith has traditionally played itself out. And so having those four weeks of preparation that we follow is a is a huge deal. The reason though that we don't tend towards, you know, the non-denominational churches like ours tend to steer away from traditionalism is maybe this misplaced um desire for relevancy or modernity. It might be because um, you know, we take the we tend to fall on the side of um the scriptures that say sing to the Lord a new song as opposed to the mm-hmm. old songs. And so there's something about this new work that God is doing in new ways that is very um, exciting for us. And we, we tend to, I think, accidentally reject traditionalism. Um, one of the beautiful things that I love about the emerging generations of believers of Jesus is there is this return to the traditionalism that we kind of abandoned in the late 1990s. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think uh, tradition for tradition's sake is dead religion. And we don't want to do that. But oftentimes we can realize how beautiful and vast our God is when we anchor ourselves within and swim in the streams of tradition that have Mm -hmm. been uh, well-established before us. And that's what we do with our theology, right? We don't ever want our theology to be outside of what has been called orthodoxy. Um, That's that's a protected way of making sure we're not heretics. So I don't know if that's a helpful answer, but I think this year of all years, we need a little nostalgia. We need a little like like longing for a home and a little bit of that feeling of, of normalcy. Uh, no, I think that I think that so different. I think the answer helps a ton, especially if if someone's listening who's new to our church and maybe expecting um, I don't know uh, like Lent in the spring or uh, sure. Ash Wednesday things like that um, that we, we we may not practice. And yeah, I think that that helps a ton. Um, and I yeah, I mean I love that in the Psalms it says you know sing a new song, but it doesn't say to ignore the old songs. And that's why I love the Book of Common Prayer so much is because uh, it doesn't discount what's new and, and relevant right now, but it uh, it focuses on the on the power of prayers that have been prayed for thousands of years and for uh, prayers that are prayed by our, by the saints. And it's it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got a lot to be uh, thankful for, a lot to anticipate as we prepare our hearts for the arriving uh, of Christmas, that moment when we celebrate the coming of Christ. Um, guys, before we move to uh, the the question from the catechism we have today, I've just got a quick commercial break uh, for us. Um, last week, I asked our listeners to um, drop their favorite experiences or favorite memories of our podcast from the first 40 episodes. And I told them that there'd be some prize or something that we give away. I don't remember what that was. But um, I decided that since all we got three really good responses, and all three of them, I think, are um, worthy of something from our podcast for their time and devotion and dedication to, I don't know. I don't want to pretend they've all listened to, to 40 episodes, but they've listened. listened I remember to what some. it was. You promised, you promised bobbleheads. Straight up. I don't know where one would procure a bobblehead with a mug. Crafted so bobblehead. Here's what I, you know, like here, hand here's what I think we should do heads. as a way to like encourage the Christmas spirit. Or Thanksgiving spirit. I don't know. However, this person chooses to. I want to send these three people uh, Starbucks gift cards as a way to say thanks for listening and we love you guys. Uh, ben Fraley gave um, thumbs up to Daniel your um, your judgment house story. He thought oh, that was good, and I applaud. <laughs> I that, hope I he googled for it. Sure. Um, Laura Wasco, 
faithful listener, <laughs> beloved friend. Uh, I don't remember what she said, but she said the witty banter was her favorite. And that's just her the sucking up. Um, and then uh, Annie, Annie likewise uh, dropped the banter as sorry, her favorite part. Sorry, what's Annie's last name? Well, I don't want to violate the HIPAA Privacy Act of the podcast. We can't just go telling everybody's name, Kristen. Well, you've already told two. <laughs> no, Annie knows that I can't pronounce her last name. It's got silent vowels and letters and things like that. So, um, but you guys, I, I'm we're sending them. We're gonna send them uh, to their email inbox. Thank you guys for listening and thanks for participating. And we hope that our gift to you is just a very small way of saying Merry Christmas. Or yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, whichever latte you or choose. Happy I'm, Friday. Happy yeah. Friday. Because that's when my wife goes to Starbucks. Happy Friday. I'm glad the Judgment House could bless one person. <laughs> <laughs> and if, hey, that was if its Daniel. whole purpose was to reach one person, wasn't it worth it? <laughs> yes. That's probably all that was accomplished. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Scott, we've got a question today. We are cruising through the catechism. Yeah. Kristen, you missed it last week. We did three. Dang. I don't know if we did them well. So this week we're we did them. six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Double we got, we got one this week. We got one. If you're following along in your New City Catechism app, we're on question 16. Question is very simple. What is sin? Answer. Sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created, rebelling against him by living without reference to him, not being or doing what he requires in his law resulting in our death and the disintegration of all creation. This is intense. I actually Very hadn't intense. read the answer before. And uh, it is it is vast. <laughs> the disintegration of all creation. That is a big that is a big statement. The that conclusion is a big of statement. Sin. Scott, can we go to question 17? <laughs> yeah, let's just skip this one. What is we it? just skip yeah. this one. Well, no, I mean it's it's obviously important that we talk through this. Um, yeah. You know, something struck me, Scott, as you're reading that the way the catechism, we've, we've acknowledged the format of the catechism a couple times where it leads us through certain things. Just a reminder, it started with who God is and what our, our purpose is and who we are. And then it progressed into um, the law and the 10 commandments and who is able to keep the law and what the purpose of the law is. And here we are 16 moves into the catechism before the word sin really truly makes a, an appearance. And I think that's just fascinating and instructive for us because I think in my own heart, I, I'm prone, the way I was taught the gospel started with you're a sinner. Like that was move one, was your fundamental yeah. condition and your identity is as someone who is deeply flawed. Let me tell you about this God who's going to get you out of your deeply flawedness. What I love about the catechism, though, is that it rightly associates us as being God's creation, as being God's possession, um, as being uh, people who were intended to glorify and worship God. But through the process of showing us our own inadequacies, it leaves it to now to be able to say, like, but there's a problem. And so yeah. I think uh, as we talk about this conversation, when it comes to talking about sin, we for here have a interesting perspective. We're not talking about this as people who are um, wallowing in our sin, but we're people who are, I mean, the word is saints, right? Maybe not like perfectly pious, but people who have been saved, saved from what? Saved from our sin. 
And so we have a chance to reflect from our position of being saved out of the condition of guilt for our sins. I think, Scott, you've got a good way of saying this that I'll leave for you about how, what the cross does um, in regards to our sin. But, but I also think we can look, just to say this, we can look at this and talk about this honestly and not have in this conversation just this feeling of overwhelming, crushing guilt upon ourselves. And so that's yeah. not answering the question or talking about sin. It's just acknowledging the fact that um, I appreciate that we, we don't start the conversation of faith with sin. We start the conversation mm. of faith with God. And along yeah. the way, we realize who we are and what he's done for us. You know, Dan, that's a really interesting way of... Uh, I agree with all that because it's an interesting way of looking at who we are that lines up with, I think, the first three chapters of Genesis. You don't you don't start in Genesis uh, with, and then Eve took the fruit and rejected God. And there's so many questions wrapped up in that. Then, well, who is Eve and who is God and why is she rejecting him? You know, instead we have scriptures that begin with God. And then move us into like this um, self-revelation that we are not what we should be. Mm. And I think self-discovery always uh, has, a, has more of a weight than being told that you're a sinner, mm. right? If I can understand myself that I fall short of God, it's, it has such more, um, so much more of a weight in my own heart. Mm -hmm. And then it draws me uh, to something greater, you know, to, to a savior. Yeah. Bob Coughlin has this awesome quote where he says, uh, I didn't think of myself as a great sinner, which means I didn't think I needed a great savior. Hmm. So the way in which we view our sin is such a deciding factor of the way that we view our, our need for, for God. Um, which is really interesting because I think not enough of us, uh, truly grasp like just the weight of our sin. I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but, um, I, I mean, I know that's a, that's kind of a constant struggle for me is uh, not daily coming to terms with like, man, I'm wretched mm. <laughs> like from mm. the inside out. And uh, like my heart, um, like Augustine talks about this uh, or Augustine, whatever, like this, you called it concupiscence, right? Where it's like this, uh, this trajectory that we constantly have to, um, to, to like, um, like there's on one side is like purity and on one side is like our fall from Adam and our constant trajectory is to like fall southward mm. huh. constantly and how we always have to like go back to the father and like like not try to try to get back on the the um uh the right trajectory um into the state of purity but like our 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 depravity is constantly just dragging us down yeah um and yeah I mean I don't know I don't know you know go ahead Kristen well, I was just going to, um, I'm interested in what you just said, Daniel, about this constant pull away from God. And yeah, I think- I'm Googling our, to see if I pronounced that right. What? Sorry. I said I'm Googling to see if I pronounced that right, because I think that's, yeah. That's all right. Our listeners already Googled it and they've judged <laughs> you already. Yeah. But I, I think it's interesting that there is a constant pull- toward depravity. And yet as we become more and more sanctified, that looks different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like as the sin that we deal with looks different today as a sanctified believer for however many years you've been walking with the Lord than it did then, but our depravity is no less. 
And I think that's reflected in the definition. If you can look back at the answer to what sin is, this this statement is is incredibly convicting to me. Uh, rebelling against him by living by living without reference to him. Yeah. And I think that that is what even the most moral, even the most um, righteous, I want to say in quotations, like that people who, who are doing right and following the Lord and, and um, obeying his law as best they can, but we can still live lives without reference to him in our own mm. ability, in our own strength, having um, going about our day-to-day life without acknowledging the fact that it is he who is in control. It is he who is our strength. It is he who provides. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm convicted and just sort of considering that right now is, is what is, um, yeah, just a convicting part of that definition of what sin is. Kristen, I, I'm at, at the same time, encouraged and discouraged by what you have said about our our sin, and I love this idea of you know saints being drawn into increasing uh, I don't know levels of sanctification, but that our sin is we are never without our sin at the same time. It just looks different, mm-hmm. right? We are dealing with different levels of sin in our own heart, and um, it's like peeling away at different layers, getting into different aspects of our heart that we didn't even realize before right. that we struggled with. Um, but how encouraging at the same time that our trajectory is, is sanctification. And like, that right. is what we mm-hmm. should be looking at that, that, you know, if I'm following Christ, there are sins that I have overcome that I'm not, that I'm not struggling with in the same way that I used to struggle with. Yeah. But at the same time, let us not be so uh, prideful to think that we have, we have it all figured out. Yeah. You know, I think um, Daniel's got me second guessing my early church fathers and who it was that said this. I thought it was Augustine, but maybe it's not. Are you guys familiar with the concept of like passe pacare? Um, That's the, the Latin. So, so in the, uh, in, in God's creation, he created it, um, passe peccare. It was possible to sin, but not required. And then we fell, and it was non passe, non peccare, not possible not to sin because of the brokenness of sin in our lives is this consistent replacing of God as our, you know, we, we replace God with ourselves as our yeah. highest authority. And so we live in reference to ourselves, not in reference to God. That's the pull into this catechism answer. But through Christ, he comes and he dies and he pays the penalty for our sins. He breaks the power of our sin um, and and he releases us from that sin. And so now we live as Christians, those who have faith in Christ, what our reality today, it, it's passe non picar. It's possible for us not to sin, but mm. we're still awaiting this day where uh, w- one day Christ will come back, bring us to glory, or we will die and go to glory and mm-hmm. we will live in this existence that it is uh, non passe peccare. It is not possible for us to sin. It'll be the utmost of perfection. The glorification is the theological term. If if you listeners are keeping your scorecard at home, we hit sanctification and glorification because we are justified by faith. It is now possible for us not to sin. And one day we will experience that it's not possible for us to sin. But I think acknowledging, yeah. Scott, that so we live in that third realm if you're in, in faith. If you don't have faith in Christ, you you live in that second realm. Regardless, we live in a world that's stained by sin. And so we're always going to be battling this 
perpetual uh, lifting up of our own selves and our own desires and replacing as ruler and, and Lord of our lives, replacing God with ourselves or <laughs> with, what our, with what our hearts desire, whether it's a, a, a spouse that satisfies us or kids that you know reward us or a job that fulfills us, whatever it is that we put our faith in. I think anytime we live without reference to God, we we show our own fallenness. And so that that is a thought. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. colors the world for me. In some sense, I'm more terrified of that than I am of COVID because there's a there's a deeper sickness to us that goes beyond just proteins and elements. This this is a sickness of soul. Yeah. And uh um I don't know. I think uh, I think you guys are pulling out. I think that that part that you said, Scott, about being encouraged and discouraged simultaneously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jesus is dealing with our sin, but we also have to deal with it too. Let me ask you this question: do you, How do you guys sorry. feel about? Um, and this is a feeling question, so this is you know a millennial question. How do you guys feel <laughs> about this? But how do you, how do you feel about um, uh, our role in fighting sin? So, so Christ defeats, you know, sin and, and pays for the penalty of sin on the cross. But, but then you have passages in the New Testament where Paul tells us to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do we harmonize all that? That's a really good question, Dan. Next <laughs> one on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, I think obviously it's kind of spelled out that we're, we're pretty helpless to sin on our own. Um, which is why Christ sent out the the Paraclete, the Advocate, um, to go on our behalf because um, we we don't have the strength to, to do it ourselves. So, um, so you say so you think that we uh, we can't? There is no conquering of sin, like that. That we don't have a role in that as as humanity. I think, I mean, I think our role is in humility and in, in coming to God, mm. um, but that we, in our own power and our own ability, cannot conquer sin. Is that the, is that the question you're getting at, Dan? Like, what is our role in our sanctification process? I think, I think it is. I think that's the question I'm asking you, right? Like, it's, it's a <laughs> yeah. deep question. It's complicated. Um, at some point, we have to acknowledge the fact that um, chapters like, Colossians three exists that say, um, take off the old self and put on the new self. There is mm-hmm. some sort of, um, not synergism and monergism here. It's not, that's not what I'm saying, but some idea that, um, we've been crucified with Christ. Therefore we no longer live the life I live. I live in the spirit, right? That Daniel, that's what you're mm-hmm. getting at the helper. Yep. Um, but at some point we have to take responsibility for our sin. And, yeah. and to be able to um, put to death the sinfulness inside of us. And I wonder, here's the question. So if that's true, I know that's true. But if, if sin is rebelling against God by living life without reference to him and not being or doing what he requires in his law, I don't know how to not do that. Just putting all my cards on the table, and I'm a pastor, right? I've got a degree in Bible stuff, spiritual stuff. All of us here have degrees in biblical things, spiritual theology, right? Um, and yet, 
the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things or desperately mm -hmm. wicked above all things. Um, and so there's, I guess I'm asking the question, how do we feel about this tension that we're always going to exist in as long as we have a pulse? <laughs> I think there's something about, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm jumping in here prematurely, but without a fully formulated thought. That's okay. But, go for it. Let's see where it goes. The best kind of thoughts. There All is, of Daniel's thoughts. There is something about <laughs> living with the reality of sin that allows me to appreciate my savior all the more. Like the fact that I know that there is nothing within me that is good, that I am, um, I will continually fight this battle to be more holy, to be more righteous, that I, I desperately need this, the saving work of Christ from the moment my eyes open in mm -hmm. the morning until I lay my head down at night and even through the night, like that there yeah. is nothing within me that is able to, um, yeah, stand before a holy God. And so that I, I think I'm comfortable living in that reality because it pushes me to rely on the Lord even more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Daniel, do you think that's what you meant when you said humility is our job? Cause I resonated with that. So, so tremendously that, you know, yeah. that point of saying like, God, like Kristen, you were saying, I, I am comfortable in this because I know like there's nothing good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Right. Um, right. So, so in some sense, humility is the mark, I think, of the Christian who understands the depths of their own depravity. Yeah. And you better get used to it because the, the deeper into the pool of uh, the understandings of a holy God, the, the more you're going to be aware of your sin that have come right. against God. So like, right. Um, right. that's, that's the interesting thing is that like, uh, sometimes when you're not convicted by your sin, it's because you're not walking in, in that conviction. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like the more that my face is in the word of God, the more that I'm truly not just studying his word, but studying the, 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 I mean, writings of other uh, uh, theologians, like the, the deeper I am like almost depressed by my sin, <laughs> like, yeah. like, man, oh man, oh man. Yeah. So my, 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 my encouragement yeah, yeah. would be Come like, I mean, just get, get, get ready for, for that deep broken heartedness, um, for, for how you've disappointed God. But it, like, like I said before, it also reveals, uh, like, just how great of a savior that we have, the yeah. more that you understand how, how deeply you've come against him in your own heart. Yes. And Daniel, I think even as we look at humility as our response, we need to remember that even, even the opportunity to humble ourselves before God is the quickening of, of us by the spirit to turn our eyes off of ourselves. Mm. So I don't know, Dan, I think, looking at this question, even the response of humility is only because the spirit is working in my life. Yep. I don't know if there is much that I can do to sanctify myself. This is the, this is the work of, of the Lord in, in my life. Amen. Yeah. I, I just maybe to put a period on this conversation here, I, I think as we've been saying all of these things, it's reminded me of a story from the HP campus. One of the Gosh, I got to call this person an elderly saint, but they would slap me with their cane if they could hear me say that. Uh, but I remember um, a situation had happened to somebody this a couple of years ago 
in our campus. And it was just a sad situation. And this person wasn't even connected to it, but heard about it and heard about it and heard the news in front of me in my presence, looked at me and with um, just sobriety in their face said, I hate sin. I hate sin. And uh, it showed me a maturity to the Christian life um, mm-hmm. that the the longer we follow the Lord, the more aware of the things that break his heart we become. Yeah. And I think the more aware of of living without reference to God happens around us. And right. so yeah. I think uh part of part of what needs to happen in our own hearts as we follow the Lord by faith is to have this awareness, not this crushing guilt, because that's been relieved by Jesus, that we, we are free right. and we are justified yep. and we stand uh declared righteous in his sight. Amen. But we also still live in a world that's going to be marked tremendously um, without living in reference to God. And the results of that's going to be death and disintegration of all creation. And so as as Christians, we get to live out sort of being the name callers of that to say, hey, that is not the way God created that to be. And I think that's a mark of maturity. So, mm-hmm. man, what a wide ranging conversation we've had today, guys. Uh, Thanksgiving's canceled per Daniel. Christmas is going to be traditional <laughs> per everyone, and uh, we are all sinners. And you're a so sinner. This Happy is the New type Year. of thing that makes people listen to the Following Faith podcast. That's right. right. Here, right here. <laughs> well, guys, I'm really excited about what's coming up uh, in the coming weeks. We're we're going to be hosting um, the Advent readings, and and I'm really excited to bring those to you on a daily basis. Daniel's really excited to write some Christmas music with sleigh bells in the background to soundtrack all of our prophetic readings. So uh, <laughs> you can look for that here on the podcast channel. And uh, if you see anybody um, who has commented on our uh, Following Faith Pod Facebook page, you can hit them up for some free Starbucks on us. Until next time, (laughs) uh, we will see you guys later. We hope this conversation helped you follow Christ further.